Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Hello and welcome to Brian Lord's Full Contact with The Telegraph. It was round four of the Champions and Challenge Cup this weekend and joining me to discuss it all is the former Scotland and Lions fly half Craig Jarmers. Hello Craig, how are you? Very well, thanks Brian. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Tell you what, why don't we start with Edinburgh? Uh, we're winners at Newcastle. I think Newcastle picked a slightly stronger side this time, but atop the group, but not yet assured of going through no, good, good, good prospects almost yeah I think Cocker's has taken the guys on you know leaps and bounds this season he's given them a real mental edge and although they've not won in the league away from home this season they've won a couple of games on the road in the European Cup so yeah, yeah I think it's a, they've got a great opportunity I think to get one more win one more victory in the group they, they should go through as at least as a, a best play second team but it looks like they're going to win the group if they can you know maybe get four or five more points in the bag so yeah no, they've got some really good a really good young backline which is great to see compared with the Glasgow backline yeah. they're very experienced so you know it's great to see these young guys coming through Darcy Graham and Blair Kinghorn these you know real real potential talent well let's have a look at uh, Glasgow because uh, Sarri's uh, won away at Cardiff Blues and at times well the Blues coaches were saying three out of our four coaches looked at each other and said oh my god what skills so I think they were bigger winners than the scoreline suggests but Glasgow well obviously they're only four points behind so there's still a chance of topping that group but they've got a good chance thereafter of going through as one of the best uh, Losers, haven't yeah, they? exactly. Best runners Glasgow up, right? should go through. I think uh, Dave Rennie is an excellent coach, and you know I think Gregor was there beforehand. He's just taking the team on again, and uh, you know the Europe's a big test for the Scottish teams. You know they've done well in the in the league, but you know to really succeed in Europe, Edinburgh got there a few years ago actually under. Uh, Michael Bradley. Michael Bradley. Michael yes. Bradley took the guys to the semi-finals, and uh, that was probably the furthest that Scottish teams ever went. But you know Glasgow. Uh, if they've got a Cardiff at home, you know, it should be four or five points there. They should yeah. qualify. They've got to go to Saracen's last game, which will be obviously really tough. And, you know, if you can get a bonus point in there, that would be yeah. would probably be great and be enough for them to see them to the next round. But well, it's intriguing. When you look at Pool 1, I mean, Leinster, kings of Europe at the moment, playing very well and so on, and yet not top of that group because Toulouse, who... Probably have the greatest European pedigree of any side, actually, when you look back through the whole competition. Yeah, unfortunately, they were winning when, when I was playing against <laughs> <Yeah>. them. <laughs> I remember going down to Toulouse and getting an absolute hiding. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't much fun in those days. But 
listen, Toulouse are, it's great to see them back. They have got the massive pedigree. They've won three or four uh, of these titles in the past. And Leinster, you know, but Leinster have been fantastic the last couple they of have, seasons. They have, but they won't, but the, what they won't want to happen is them do really well, but <laughs> get pipped by Toulouse for the starting year of the home draw. No, they want to have a home, a home, uh, home draw for the quarterfinals for yeah. sure. Yeah, but they've got. Uh, I think they've got to lose at home in the next in the next yeah. game. And you know, you'd, you'd back Leinster to win the next two games would, with, yes. with the quality they've got. So uh, yeah, I think they'll top it. But I think to lose will go through yeah. as a as a as a second as a best loser. And what about? I mean, this is probably the tightest group when you look at well the prospects of Exeter and Gloucester. Not so well. Just last week, Gloucester were sitting, you know, in a very different position than the bottom of the group that they are now, and yet it's still very tight. But even so, given the few points that everyone in that particular pool two has got, and if you don't win it, you're probably not going to go through as a best runner up, are you? Yeah, there's too many teams beating each other in that group, and I think uh, yeah, you've got to be the winner of that group to go through. I'm still not sure. Looking at the fixtures, I look at the fixtures uh, earlier on and. <laughs> All these teams are capable of beating each other on any given day, home and away, I think. I would probably put my money, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, uh, it's probably a Munster. Oh yeah, I would think Munster. I think that would be, you know, the win at home game and probably get a couple of points from away from home, bonus points. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd probably go with, with Munster. Exeter have been a bit up and down this year and, and Gloucester are a bit hot and cold as well, you know. So yeah, listen, it, it's going to be tight, but uh, you know, it's, it's, not a two, it's, not a, it's another month or so until they play so yep. it's a bit broken up well that's the thing about the whole season isn't it Are you when you do this show and you realise what you're reporting on you know a couple of weeks here domestically then you're in Europe then you've got you know, autumn internationals and so on and so on and if it's confusing or it's a bit disjointed for us you just imagine what it's like as a player and a yeah, coaching staff. Yeah. Well, we used to do it. We used to do it back. You know, we did it back in the day, and we, you know, went to France and wherever. We never went to Italy um, back in those days. But it was, uh, yeah, it was always interesting. It was some good trips, some bad trips, but it's always really, really tough. Obviously, going to France. I think it's. But how is it? How is it as a player? You're just to switch focus from competition to competition. Is it as easy as just say, well, this is a game of rugby against a different side, or does it the fact that one is probably more important in terms of you either staying in or your domestic bread and butter and then against the glory of Europe and the overall importance of internationals how do you grade well, those yeah you look well, you look at the premiership look at Newcastle i think they they're looking at their league position and saying yeah, let's not take it too seriously the european comp because they sent a pretty poor side up to edinburgh i know they've had injuries but they're looking at the league and thinking that's more important than Europe, which I don't think is a great way to look at it. I think you've got to take every game, as make it as important as possible. But they're thinking about staying in that premiership because that's, that's massive. Yeah. The, the English clubs have got to be in that premiership. But looking at this at the moment, you've probably only got one English team going through at the quarterfinals, which is not great. No, it's not. Of all these sides, I think, bar none, you have to say Scarlet's with two points is absolutely remarkably bad. Yeah, they were semi-finalists last year. So, I mean, I mean for them to be two points on the board, they've got, I know they've got a lot of injuries, especially in the back row. They're getting guys back. And, it's, you know, the back row is a massive, massive part of the team. You know, it does link up the backs and the forwards. But uh, they're missing a few guys there. But they're, they're back now. But, you know, listen, that's poor by them. And, and they know that. They'll know that. But also, I mean, it's in a group where Tigers, and we'll speak uh, very shortly, hopefully, to Scott Hamilton... Are 
of being a shadow of anything that they've ever done in Europe. I don't think it's too big a word to describe it as near crisis time at Welford Road. I mean, I, and that's how bad it's getting. Yeah, I think when, when Jordan took over, you know, at the start, there was one or two good results, and but yeah, unfortunately, that's faded a little bit. And they've got some great players, but. Leicester was always are always known for that hard edge up front and that front five, yeah. and they don't have that at this moment in time. They're not bullying teams like they used to, and you know they have got some good backs, some real talented backs there. You know, England Fayaf, Tuolangi, Youngs. Yeah, you know, so they've got some quality. quality Johnny May, Johnny May. They've got some, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. They've got some great players there. So I mean, I'm, there's something wrong there. Something wrong internally. So I, I mean, I. Massive respect for the Tigers. They were one of the best clubs going around when when I was uh, on the scene. Well, they've dominated English rugby yeah, like no yeah, other side yeah. has ever done. Yeah, and I got, I got asked to go there in '92. Went down, and met Peter Wheeler, and I look back and I think maybe I should have went there. That it would be a good time to go. Oh yeah, um, they, they were doing quite well then. Yeah, they're a good set of <laughs> nice set of forwards <laughs> yeah, to play behind. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I didn't go. But listen, it. It's a club in crisis, as you say, and and but I'm sure you know, like most of these clubs, they'll, they'll come back and, and they'll be bigger and stronger for it. Hopefully. Well, why why don't we speak to someone who will know better about the Tigers? It's the former All Black and Leicester winger Scott Hamilton who's on the line. Hello, Scott. Hi, Brian. How you doing? Okay, mate. Look, head coach Jordan Murphy has been quoted saying, "This is the lowest ebb in my 20 years here. We're on a horrific run. Confidence is very low. When Quinns come here in six days' time to the Premiership, they'll." sends blood in the water. When Craig and I were just talking, when you look at the players still there, there's a lot of quality. And I, how do you think it got to this particular position? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good question. I mean, I, I say the same thing, you know, the, the talent is there. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say the depth is there that it used to be, but a lot of clubs nowadays, because of the, the wage bills, you know, the squads are a lot smaller now than what they used to be because to be competitive, you know, your top, sort of 15, 20 players, you know, the vast percentage of the wage bills going on them. But, you know, I, how have they got there? I mean, obviously all the changes over the last few years haven't helped. It's, you know, confidence is a is probably something that, you know, Geordie's touched on, but it's probably something that a lot of people take for granted. And, you know, I think this will be a big game for Tigers. Obviously, Harlequins is massive. It's at, it's at home. You know, it's a Christmas game. The crowd will be, it'll be absolutely packed out. The place will be buzzing. So, they're going to have, everything's there for them in terms of, you know, the support. I'm sure all the fans will still have their back and if, if they manage to put in a, a performance and get across the line, it'll make a big difference for them. When you look at these situations, invariably, you can point fingers to a certain extent to the players, to a certain extent to the coaching, but also, and I think in this case, the higher echelons of the club. And funnily enough, that's where changes almost never seem to get made. They fire everyone else, <laughs> but not there. What, what, what sort of action do you think is required at that level of the club? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's obviously a valid point. Um, the coaching changes that have been made over the last three or four years have obviously been uh, ratified and approved by the people at the top and when you've fired two or three coaches in a short time span you can't help but ask questions and I'm sure fans are asking questions of um, where is the accountability I suppose to, to a certain extent but then again are you just are you just making changes again to 
to further unstable, you know, make it a more unstable environment. But, I mean, I think it's it's a valid question. I, I haven't probably, well, I don't know. I personally, I haven't heard anything come out from from the top myself. I'm not sure if if you've if you've heard anything either. But it'd be interesting to to get their take on on what one what they see is going wrong, and two how they're going to uh, what the plans are to to get things back on track because it's you know as you know as I know I mean I've only been here 10 years myself but I know you know Leicester's a a massive it's a massive rugby club it's a massive rugby city and rugby area and you know there's well I was going to say there's only so long that fans can put up with but I've certainly seen a few things that are certainly getting a bit bit grumpy at the moment but you know I know Geordie well and I know some of the coaches and still some of the players and and there's certainly no it's not like the guys aren't playing for Geordie or anything like that as well which is at least the the buy-in I know the buy-in's still there and if if they've got that all it takes is a bit of a spark I think you know if you can get across the line and as I say with with Harlequins this week um, but yeah well it's pretty tough I think it's eight eight in a row now is that that correct? Yes Yes, yeah, sort of unheard of, really. Hi, Scott. It's Craig Chalmers here. How are you doing? Good, thanks, Craig. I had some great times at Leicester. I played a few Barbarians games back in the day. You not remember them? You're too young. <laughs> <laughs> but they're always great fun to play in. <laughs> we're always, yeah. a, we're always at a great party afterwards. But you know that club. I massive respect for it. That you know you play there and that you kicking goals and there'd be a you'd hear a pin drop. You know and. I always looked at Leicester as being, you know, the standard to setter for for clubs in in the in the UK. And you said before, you, you know, the, the the fans will be obviously unhappy. They were the Man United of, of rugby in, in in England at the time. And um, so, who would you like to see? go in there who do you think should go in there and, and sort it out I, I feel sorry for Jordy I've played against Jordy I played with Jordan but you know he's been put in a really tough position I think by the by the board and they've got to take responsibility for this maybe it's not quite time for Jordan I think he's still got a massive role to play at the club but is he a number one just yet maybe he's still learning well yeah I mean absolutely he's obviously a young coach he's only been there a while you know, I've got massive respect for him. I know the current players have got massive respect for him, and you know, I haven't been coached by him. Well, I have been, I suppose, to a certain extent when he was sort of assisting backs, but in terms of in the top role, you know, it's totally different to being in the, you know, like the rugby chair as opposed to as being a coach. I suppose, you know, to a certain extent, they are hamstrung potentially by wages and, and things like that. If you know, having got rid of Matt O'Connor, and and I'm, you know, I'm not sure about the the financial situation about that but I you know I know that just like any other club the the purse strings are, are pretty tight and I'm not sure you can go around hiring whoever they want whenever they want that is going to have to be a time that's going to take place but I mean somebody does need to come in probably at, at the top in, in the director of rugby role that you know they've got a very very young coaching staff at the moment and you know by all accounts you know the players are sort of enjoying how things are going but obviously that only goes for so long if the there's, results aren't on the Scott, field there's, Scott there's going to be a few big coaches looking for jobs pretty shortly so Joe Smith and the Warren Gatlin are looking for a well, job Well that's exactly what I wanted to go <laughs> on to Scott look I mean I don't think it's coincidental that Joe Smith and Warren Gatlin both decided to go home fairly shortly and of course I'm pretty sure that Steve Hansen's departure was announced to the world after a lot of other people who might be in the frame knew about it Already, so when it comes to his replacement, are either Schmidt or Gatland likely to be preferred to to candidates who've been working within the structure or within the New Zealand rugby? 
I uh, per- personally, I really rate Schmidt. I think he's uh, you know top draw. I've always always enjoy watching his teams play. You can obviously you can just see things that you know often that the commentators don't pick up as well. Just little wee intricacies that he's getting his team to do, and just little wee things that you know make the difference at that top level. And and his teams are just yeah. You know, obviously, his record speaks for itself. I, you know, I'd love to see him involved now. Obviously, there are, there are guys in and around the, the coaching setup in the moment that work with Steve Hansen that would be throwing their name in the ring along with other uh, super rugby coaches as well. So it's certainly not like we need to go out fishing for, for too many people because there's certainly a lot of people that are going to be around, I think, that are going to be available. It'll be a, certainly an interesting process to go through, but uh, I think whoever does take the job, you know, the All Blacks will be in, in good hands. But I'm sure the main will. the main problem is probably trying to hang on to the players. I saw an article. I think there's about 25 current All Blacks that are coming off contract at the, at the end of the World Cup. So that'll be the main main thing trying to make sure we retain them. And just finally, quickly, if if you wouldn't mind, now that Hansen is going to have some spare time, and Eddie Jones, you know, has made his tenure, you know, he's got a certain amount of time limit on it. Is it the sort of job that he would consider? Or do you think, you know, he's been up here once anyway? Um, be a big check. Yeah, no, it would be a big check. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think he'd be, I think he'll be sitting back a little bit. Certainly if they uh, uh, success at the World Cup, um, he'd be sitting back. And um, if I was him, I'd be doing a few consultancy roles uh, to the nicer places of the world and um, <laughs> helping out, you know, popping up to America or uh, the islands or anything like that for a few days here and there. Um, I'm sure he'll be making it, be able to make a fairly handy living uh, just doing a, a part-time consultancy role. I'm fairly sure you're, you're, you're all right, but he'll have options. Scott, thank yeah. you. it's always great to speak to you. Thanks very much uh, once again. Cheers, Scott. Cheers, Ron. Thank you. Uh, Scott Hamilton, former All Blacks and Leicester. Well, that's all right, isn't it? The thing is, Steve, if you can name yourself as a consultant, you can put notes on the end of your no, of your invoices, yeah. can't I you? I think Wayne Smith's one of these guys that goes, yeah. does, does the talks around the world and stuff. And Listen, yeah, they deserve it. They've, well, done, Wayne they've Smith, done well. well Wayne, I mean, Wayne Smith has been central to a lot of things that the All Blacks have done really, really well. A lot of the developments have come along. He's been wanted by nearly everybody in the world and yet has stayed there. I can only think that he's turned down jobs like the England job because he wants the All Black job. Again, you think? Again, yeah, I, I think so. Know. I'm not sure. He's been there really? a few. He's been there a long time. Yeah. I think 2008. I think he was there. Yeah. Through to 2015 World Cup. But anyway, look. Tell you what. Let's move on. Young. Because speculation. <laughs> One person who has had his wings clipped: Michael Checker, Scott Johnson. You were telling me about his left. He's been named director of rugby, leaving your neck of the woods. Which, I, you know what? I can't see that working. I mean, we're just the the. <laughs> Checker is not the sort of man I don't think he's going to want to be circumscribed in this way. Neither do I. I mean, I think I mean Scott Johnson. He actually came to Scotland with Andy Robinson, and uh, I think Andy Andy got sacked and left Scott. And uh, Scott's been there ever since, and it does a lot. You know, he's, he's always criticised for not nobody sees him very often. That doesn't mean he say he's not doing things exactly. Really. And I think he does a lot of stuff, and he did a lot of stuff with the academy, really good stuff with the academy, and you know, bringing Cockrell part. He was part of that process, bringing Cockrell to Edinburgh, which I think has been you know made a big difference to them, and added that hard edge to to the Edinburgh team. And uh, you know, he's leaving Scottish rugby in a reasonably good place with uh, oh, a pretty good place, I would say, with Edinburgh and Glasgow. Well, I can't, Craig, I can't. Think of a time when your country has gone into a World Cup, but bar maybe you know the the, the I mean very old ninety ones. Yeah. You know, bar then, 
I can't think of a better squad that's, that's gone in in recent times, can you? No, I think uh, the squad we've got at the moment and the confidence, the way, the, you know, the type of rugby that we're playing, it's, it's different in Glasgow. Dave Rennie's done a good job there, you know, on the back of what Gregor did there. And the guys are getting a bit of Gregor with Scotland when they all, when they all go to the Scotland camp. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's in a really good place. And so Scott Johnson will leave, will leave Scottish rugby in, a, in an, excellent, an excellent position. Nobody can say he's done a bad job because he's not. He's leaving it in a good place. And he's going to Australia to try and turn them around because they're in an awful mess at the moment. They are, but again, a bit like Leicester. When you look at the players still available to them, you can't deny their quality because we've seen it. And even on occasions, look, for example, when England spanked them in the Auto Internationals, when they were given a bit of ball, when they were given a bit of opportunity, Falao steps up, bang, bang, two tries. Because that's what they can do still. I I went to Australia. When I was coaching, I went to spend some time with Cheka at the Waratahs. And I mean, I played against Cheka in 1990 at Melrose Sevens. Uh, he was part of the Rambic team that came across, the Ella brothers. And I, I liked his, I, li- I liked him. He's, he's different. He is different. He, you know, he's, he's a, he actually doesn't need to coach. He's, I think he's a multi-millionaire fashion guy. Jeans, importing jeans yes, to has, Australia. Yes. So, so he didn't need to do it. But he, he's very passionate. I loved, I loved the way he put things over. As you say, he's got the players. There's obviously something not quite working right. I don't think they're fit enough. I don't think they're, they're mm. fit enough. I don't think they're conditioned well enough. Well, and you can turn that round in a year. And they can. And do, I remember this, Greg. I, I, I think I'm right in saying, I can't remember a World Cup where Australia have turned up and been really poor. They always manage to get there or thereabouts. They don't always win it, but they always as you are say, on the metal. As you say, they've got the talent, okay? They've got plenty of time to get fit. Okay, they've had a bad year or so. And, uh, you know, I think, I think Scott Johnson... You know, if he goes over there and and and, and Australia start doing well, then you'll take a bit of credit for that as well. So, oh, I'm sure it will. So fair, <laughs> so fair, so fair play to him. You know, must <laughs> get a haircut. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's another point. Well, a check a haircut. No, maybe not. Well, of course, we were mentioning uh, Toulouse and the strange nature of that pool. The fact that two of the best sides in Europe, only one of them is going to be playing at home because only one of them can top that group. Da Young was saying that although they lost, it was a bit more like the Wasps of old. Well, in one sense, yes, but uh, too many times Da Young's been forced to come on after games and basically say the same thing for me. Look, inconsistency, basic errors. This is not where Wasps should be, really. No, they've they've lost the the edge and that I don't know the accuracy that they've had over the last few years. Mm. Um, I think there's been one or two changes. You know, I think I think Cipriani Sipawanga's come in for for for, uh, for Cipriani. Tell you one thing that people the, haven't focused on, and you know, because you know to some extent he not he, you know he wasn't given the credit, but Haskell. You know, whatever you say about James Haskell, he was a very committed wasp. He, he was a full-on player. And I think that sort of example, when you lose that, uh, not easy to replace, really. No, it's not. He, you know, listen, everyone can't be superstars kicking goals and dropping goals and, yeah. you know, the, you know, a daily or whatever, a Cipriani. You've got to have guys that put the hard yards in. And I think you're probably right. They've not got maybe enough guys like that at the moment putting the hard jars and making all those big hits you know and, and he, you know, he was a bit of a you know he was a bit out there old Haskell but you know the, the, we do miss him a little bit in, in a Wasp jersey and certainly Da Young he might not admit it but I think he does as well mm. well of course we always 
uh, welcome your questions via social media or otherwise. One from Nigel Pearson here. Is a 22-game premiership having an increasingly detrimental effect on the English clubs in Europe and or England itself? Well, the compartmentalisation of a season is never going to change at the moment, is it, Craig? And it is difficult. I think basically, for me, what it is, it's the necessity to play players and the temptation to play them earlier. Not that they don't get the prescribed rest because of all these planned seasons. Clubs will say, we've stuck to the agreements, you have this. But as you know, there's a difference between coming straight back after an autumn international and maybe just the one game which you get made up later on isn't the same as having the rest after really big efforts so it's how you do it as well yeah i mean i think that's the beauty of the irish scots and the welsh they've got that ability to pull the players that week after week after the autumn internationals most of the scottish players didn't play uh, for, the, for the for the club size, um, whereas a lot of the English players went straight back in because they're the guys that pay their uh, the wages at yeah. the end of the day, and they, you know. So, I think uh, the you know the Celtic Nations players are protected f- far better. I think in the Irish is the best example of the lot because all their players are virtually all their players play in Ireland. Yes, you know. So I think Johnny Sexton, you know, listen, that's one of the reasons he came back to back to Ireland he went to Racing for a couple of years didn't like the fact that he had to play the week after against Toulouse and Toulouse or Toulon and Toulon and and then and, carry on at the end of the season for another month exactly <laughs> then you've got to go and you know and is, I mean the end of the season is still a bit of a mess for, for everybody Yeah. so you know they're talking about trying to cut down the, the Six Nations season so that they can go in a line so they have more time to pay for lines tours all that kind of stuff so there's ways of doing stuff but they've got to sit down and talk about it and you know I personally we've talked about it before the European stuff I'd have six game block of games mm. you know just you know play them play them so that you know where you are and then you can go back to the league dipping in and out of different competitions is, is quite hard for players well, I mean I totally understand why the Premiership owners don't want to do that because they say there'll be downtime where the club wasn't used at all but then again you know when you get on a roll with other sets of fixtures then be, you know it'd be used three weeks in exactly a three, three out of six weeks so there's no difference what, it'd, be, it'd, be, so. it'd be more it'd be more preferable to me because fans as well as uh, players could you know get a, but, a bit of momentum in a yeah, bit of competition but I think play Player welfare nowadays is, is, is huge. I mean, go back to the you know, we used to play club game Melrose Gala on the Boxing Day 26th. Then you go down to play for the Barbars against Leicester on the 28th or yeah. the 29th. You know, yeah, no, no, I mean, no th- comparison th- th- physically th- though. I mean, no. <laughs> that was far more physical nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> that, less, that Leicester front five was a nightmare. Yeah, a lot more drinking, certainly. <laughs> Another question. Tom Goldie asked, do Saracens need Elliot Daly? Well, they don't need him, but he will be welcome, I'm sure, anywhere, really. Yeah, I think at the moment you'd probably rather have a Saracens jersey on than a Wasp jersey. I mean, it's a tough one. But, you know, players do move nowadays. That loyalty thing nowadays has has gone a little bit. Tell you what, Craig, this is a, a different question, but I think possibly more pertinent. Where is Daly's best position? I don't know. I think it's probably best. I think he's better fullback. I think fullback's his best position. I think centre, he, you know, he's, he's very good there. Wing, is he the fastest guy? He's, he's got out and out speed. Don't get me wrong, but I think yeah. fullback. I think fullback, mm. and he's got that kick, that kick yeah. that goes for a sixty meters, yeah. which is is invaluable to any team. And you know, you wonder how that guy can kick a ball further than Owen Farrell. Well, you know. 
he does week yes. in week out yeah. <laughs> when he gets opportunity for England or for Wasps well next week we've got the next two rounds of fixtures of their derbies let's do very quickly 1872 Cup Edinburgh Glasgow obviously the two the two teams it's the big game the you know it's the the, the grudge match and then I think Edinburgh actually hold it actually at the moment they do yeah um, so you know Glasgow will be desperate to get it back because they've been the stronger team over the last you know five six seven years you know they dominated up in Scotland but I think uh, you know you, we, we all know Mr Cockrell's like he'll be desperate to hold on to oh, that I'm sure yeah. and Edinburgh it's really really important now for Edinburgh to take their European form back into their into their league for yeah. into their league uh, league campaign. Absolutely. So if they can do that, because they need to qualify, they need to get in the top four to qualify for the uh, the finals at the end of the season. So yeah, listen, it's going to be tight. Um, it's going to be cold <laughs> in Edinburgh or never, Glasgow. Never. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, hopefully they'll get a massive crowd. They'll be, they'll be looking for I reckon hopefully yeah. about twenty twenty odd thousand at Murrayfield for the Edinburgh game and yeah. and a sellout will be no you know, no problem at Glasgow. Well, look, bearing in mind that only two Welsh teams are in the Champions Cup anyway, and actually, you know, Cardiff four points, Scarlets two. What amazes me is when you have that round of fixtures, you'll see a lot of very good players for all the Welsh regions, and yet, you know, they're they're underachievement in Europe, bar bar Scarlets in yeah. you know, the last couple of seasons, has been astonishingly no. bad. I yeah, mean, it's been awful, yeah. and yet it doesn't seem to affect them internationally. I, I can't quite square all this up. No, I, I, I mean, but my big worry is Cardiff. You know, yeah. Cardiff, for me, big club, massive club. They, they keep getting it wrong in, in there. But, you know, look at Welsh rugby. Third in the world. They've got some real talent coming through. You know, they won four out of four in the Autumn International. I know, it's amazing. I, so, I, I, you know, I look at the young players coming through in Wales as well, and, and there's so many good young 21, 22, 23-year-olds that are really pushing for a, for a shot well, in that well, I mean, the side. thing is, what, what does that say? Because if they can do it on that level, everyone's saying, look, you need to have a step between them, you need to be good, you need to be good domestically, good European-wise. They have none of that at the moment. I know, <laughs> maybe, I know it's maybe it's... Maybe, Four teams is just diluting it a bit too much. Maybe I don't know, but it shouldn't be because I mean Wales. Wales is. Uh, I think Ospreys have have come back a little bit. I know they're not in the European, the Champions Cup this year, but I think the results have been better. I know yeah. one or two guys that support down there, and uh, they say that they're they're coming on and uh, they're they're playing a lot better this year than they have done uh, in previous seasons. So, you know, I think there's I say a lot of talent in Wales. It's, you know, it's harnessing that and yeah. and uh, getting some results and, and as I said before Cardiff are, are, str- are struggling a little bit yeah. but Lanethley this year have had so many injuries yeah. uh, they've been hit really badly so no, okay. I think uh, I think uh, I think yeah listen it'll all be always be a good day in Cardiff yeah. anyway, you know what it's like Sarri's uh, Exeter at Sandy Park Exeter stuttered a little bit recently for various reasons Rob Baxter, I like Rob Baxter very honest and open about the things but Saracens at the moment yet again yeah, listen, you know, listen, Exeter having a little bit of a stutter at the moment. They are. But remember Saracens last year? Yeah, true. Had four or five games and, and they, they hit a little sort of bad yeah. spell. Yeah. They reacted pretty well to it. They've yeah. got good players. I think the culture, I mean, it's, we've got our, our boy Stuart Hogg from, from Glasgow and, uh, and, and, and Scotland going down to Exeter. I think it's a great move for him. Yeah. I think the culture down at 
Kelcher down at Exeter, he'll fit straight in there. Mm. And I think it's the best move he could have made. Rather than go to France and, and drag the family over there, I think his family will be made at home and they'll have a great time down at Exeter. And I think he'll add that extra, you know, va-va-voom at fullback to them. I'm sure he will. Which can take him to another level, hopefully. But, you know, I, I'm not worried about Exeter. I think that they've got their, you know, they've got their ducks in, in, a, in a pretty straight row down there and they know where they're going. Rob, yeah, and I'm sure they will, I'm sure they will be one of the, uh, the, the, well, they'll definitely be a yeah. playoff team. They'll definitely be a playoff team. They'll definitely be, uh, you know, in in there in yeah. there in the in the last four. Yeah. But you know, there's still a chance for them in Europe to to get out of that group, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But they can, if they win the next two games, they can win the group. Mm. And uh, you know, I would never write them off because they've got that resilience that uh, other teams just don't have. Why don't we now switch our attentions to women's rugby because we've got uh, Gary Street on the line uh, to help us. Hello, Gary. Hello, Brian. How are you? 65-0 uh, <laughs> win away. Free scoring, it says here. And indeed, that is the case. One of the biggest victories of the season. You and Saracens are shaping up for a hell of a fight at the moment. Do you think it will be just the two of you or what about uh, Loughborough? Yeah, I think Loughborough's still, still in it. They've, they've obviously got a couple of great players in Katie Daly-McLean and Sarah Hunter and, and they've had a really good season and you know, they're only a couple of points away and um, I think there's still some, some big games to go so I think it's uh, going to be tight. Yeah, and Wolf's starting a million miles away on, on 40 points so uh, there's uh, probably four still in it, I think. The Cleal twins continue to impress. So this is the fourth game that they've won without conceding a point. 48 yeah nil against uh, Richmond now given Richmond's long tradition in women's rugby they're going through relatively hard times at the moment what will it take for Richmond to get something like the prominence that they used to have is it just a question of players yeah, I think they're rebuilding. I've seen sort of when the Tyrrells Prem started, they quite a few of their players did come over to us and, and that really benefited us at, at Queen's. Um, but it's a great club. They've, they've got a lot of tradition there and I think that some of the initiatives they are you doing with a sense of excellence, I think over the next couple of years the players will have come back there and I think they'll always be a, a strong strong side in the women's game. Uh, you mentioned Wasps and Claudia McDonald. How important is she there? Yeah, very good scrum half. I think... Um, with, with Claudia and, and Leanne Riley at our place there's, there's two really good from Arsenal London I think she's keeping Leanne on her toes but Leanne's in outstanding form at the moment but yeah Claudia makes them tick I think she's she's definitely added to their game and um, she's very quick elusive and, and makes lots of things happen for them the, the, the sides who have been struggling you know Worcester uh, Valkyries in particular uh, to a lesser extent uh, Darlington and even lesser is in Bristol how long is it going to be before they are turning in competitive results because no one wants to see a league where you've got two or three sides cut adrift. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's probably another another season. I think hopefully next season will, will, will be better again. Players are starting to move a little bit and I think that uh, with the RV contracts going uh, around, I think there'll be um, probably a shift in, in some of the players in the top end and, and I'm hoping next season that thing, things will uh, start to improve. We'll have picked up two or three signings this week as well including on the Australian captain so so hopefully uh, hopefully things will get better next year but yeah at the moment there's a there's starting to be a bit of a split top and bottom Gary um, always great to speak to you thank you for joining us once again great thanks Brian that's all we have time for this week on Brian Moore's Full Contact with the Telegraph thank you to my co-host Craig Chalmers and as always my producer Abby Patterson we'll be taking a week off for Christmas so no show next week but we will be back 
New Year's Eve with a full review of 2018. In the meantime, have a very, very Merry Christmas, but for now, it's goodbye. Goodbye.